Hi, I'm Brian Levy. I'm a partner at Manchester Living and the host of the Manchester Living podcast. The purpose of the podcast is to help people navigate the complex maze of elder care. There's a lexicon of elder care terms on the website at manchesterliving.com. Today we're talking about palliative care, but before we get to that, I want to open the show with a new and noteworthy. It's a little long, but it's worth the watch. Check this out. How can you tell it's a 73 from the front end? Because of the area tape on the side. On the side? Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Where do you belong to? I don't know, but we'll find out tomorrow morning when the police look for it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to check it out? I'd like to check the owner. Right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excuse me. Please. Yeah, you're kissing on a man. Interesting story. When I got mine, I bought it on Friday the 13th of December. It was a brand new model. I bought it in 72 to 73. And I was going to take delivery of it about uh, two days later. And they called me that afternoon and they said, we found some bad paint up in this area. They said, we want to strip it and repaint it for you. Oh, wow. Wow. I said, go ahead and do that. He said, that'll be later, a couple days. I said, sorry. So he called me back later that afternoon. He said, we found more bad paint. And I think it was back here on the back. He said, now, what we'd like to do is we want to strip the entire car down and repaint it. Wow. That took two weeks. Huh. Wow. With a brand new car? Brand new car. Wow. Brand new? And I had it for three years, and there was no damage spot on that car after three years. Huh. Damage spot? Yeah, but that's it. Yeah. What was the license plate on it? DF20. This is a, uh, this has got a big, the big 454. Mine had a 348. Wow. I'm going to the car. Like I didn't this? want all the yeah. That's, that's like pretty green. Yeah. Same? I want to see green. Yeah. Yeah, and I have this. Okay, now, how many people knew this was coming? Like a show of hands? <laughs> Just fold yourself up, Bob. One of my favorite videos ever, and really the message is, life is what, life is what happens on the way to where you're going. 
Today, we're talking about palliative care with my friends, Michelle Finnamore. You are nurse practitioner and board certified in hospice and palliative care. That's right. Uh, with Pixis Care Management. Mm -hmm. And Evelyn Steinke, care consultant with Silverstone Hospice and Silverstone Palliative Care. Yes. Thank you both for being here. Thank so you. Let's jump right in. Evelyn, what is palliative care? Palliative care, as its definition, is um, comfort care. So whether that be a um, care in the form of I'm still seeking treatments, um, curative treatments, or I have decided to go end of life care, it's all considered palliative care. Michelle, what's the difference between hospice and palliative care? Palliative care is a big umbrella. As Evelyn said, it is the focus is on comfort, but you can do it at the same time you're doing aggressive care, where hospice only comes into play when you've decided to forego aggressive treatment. So hospice is its own service and is meant to be all-encompassing, where again, palliative can include hospice, but it also could include aggressive treatment. So why do families talk about the goals for the service? What, what, what are the goals? Well, that's part of what palliative care does. So the clinicians in palliative care meet with patients and their loved ones, whether that's family or friends, whoever they consider in their close circle. And what we do is talk about goals of care. Um, it sounds um, something easy because I think most of us would say, I just want to get better. That's my goal. My goal is to get cured. Well, when cure is not a likely scenario, there are other things to begin to talk through. And that is a big part of what palliative care does is to begin to talk about some realistic goals. You know, do you want to be in the hospital in and out um, with this treatment? Um, and some people really do. Some people think the treatment of, you know, maybe say a chemotherapy is worth being in and out of the hospital. Other people's goals might say, no, I want to be at home. I am tired of going to the office. So those are goals we talk through in palliative care. Can a patient be on home health, private duty, palliative care, and hospice? That's tricky. That's not a quick answer. Right. Um, hospice is a special service. Hospice, like I said a minute ago, is, is more all-encompassing. If you're on hospice, you have to do everything with the permission of hospice, um, just because it does get tricky. When I mean, you say everything, I mean such as uh, physical therapy, such as home health. Usually with hospice, you're not on those other services, although you can have the custodial care services. With palliative care, you usually can do all of those other things. It's hospice that is a little bit more tricky. I find our engagements with, when we team up with hospice, it's more for advocacy and for companionship rather than helping with ADLs or things like that. You mean through Manchester? Mm -hmm. oh, through Cambridge. Through Cambridge. Um, right. So with hospice care, again, hospice is a medical benefit. Um, and as people progress in their illness, a lot of times it is difficult for them to do their activities of daily living, mm -hmm. maybe meaning getting up and showering, dressing, going to right. the toilet. So if you think about a medical service, that's usually not a part of that. That's right. not a medical need. So that's what would be covered by uh, Cambridge or private caregivers. Right. Right. And in a hospice, I mean, people think that hospice is with the patient all day long and that, and that it's not the case. Um, the aide comes in and the nurse comes in and um, the social worker and all the disciplines come in, but they are not, we are not taking the place of the caregiver. Um, the caregiver 
still needs to come in and be with the patient. Right. And, and towards the beginning of the, of the service, it's typically ADLs, but as, right. as they progress, it's really just companionship and advocacy. Mm-hmm. I wanted to correct that. Um, Evelyn, how does one get started on service? Anybody can call and request um, service from a hospice provider or a palliative care provider. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, the provider comes and they get medical records and basically places the patient on service. Um, and depending on where they fit, do they qualify for hospice yet? Or are they still not at the point where they can get hospice and they need to be on palliative care? Because there are qualifiers for hospice. Elaborate, please. Um, if the patient is no longer seeking curative treatments, they can go on hospice. So even deeper, seeking curative so if they're if no they're longer, chemo. if they're on chemo, it's palliative. If they are getting dialysis, that's palliative. If they haven't um, reached um, the 7C status for dementia or Alzheimer's, um, that is palliative. But if it's beyond that, it's hospice. So if they're continuing to seek treatment, it's palliative. It's palliative. If treatment's over and now it's... It's truly comfort. Comfort. And, okay. and, and relieving pain and just really keeping the patient comfortable. Sure. What does palliative care at home look like? So palliative care at home is you have a doctor, a lot of times it's a televisit every month. Um, it's a refilling medications. It's making sure that the um, family and patients have support um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week via a phone call or um, a televisit making sure that the meds are there, making sure that the home health is ordered, making sure um, that everything is available to the patient that the patient needs. It boils down to let the care providers help the families navigate in this crazy world where there's no map. I love that. That's great. Go ahead. Yeah, and as a provider myself, so I'll speak from the clinician side. When I meet with somebody with palliative care in the home for the first time, I explain it in a couple ways. I'm here to do two things. I'm here to talk about goals of care and what are your goals of care, not mine. I'm just here to talk through what are your goals of care and let's talk through that in depth. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is symptom management. So that could be um, pain, anxiety, depression, constipation. But there's a little asterisk with that as well, because I also, you know, at intake, get a list of who their doctors are that they are working with. And before I do start prescribing, I do like to reach out to the doctor if I have not already heard from them Mm -hmm. to coordinate care, because we don't want to you know, we work with their providers. We don't take the place of them. We are working hand in hand with them. So, and I let the patients know that as well. So that's palliative care in the home. It is, um, and it is provider um, oriented. Hospice is a team approach. Palliative care is at this point in um, with our insurances with Medicare, it's mostly provider-based, meaning directed by a doctor or a nurse practitioner. How do people pay for these services? Um, Medicare, Medicaid, and insurance companies, depending on the insurance company, that determines how much they pay. But Medicare and Medicaid is 100%. Where do the services take place? Wherever the patient calls home. It could be anywhere. It could, could be a be hotel. Anywhere. It could be at a facility. It could mm-hmm. be at home. Right. In fact, a lot of people think that 
ooh, if I go on hospice, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to a building. I'm going to a hospice house. And that is a misconception. misconception. Um, The benefit is brought to you wherever your home is. Now, if somebody needs placement, you know, they're unable to be cared for in their home, either hospice or palliative care can help with suggestions. Um, And there are um, some hard to talk about, but things, you know, sometimes people want to decline in their own home, but maybe they don't want to die in their home. Mm -hmm. And um, hospice can definitely help make arrangements. Um, Again, sometimes things are out of our hands, but um, there's a lot of times we can help um, predict when it appears it would be time to move. So someone does not die in the home if that is what their wish is. Sure. I actually, um, I had uh, a friend who didn't want to die at Mm -hmm. home because she was at home with the kids. Exactly. And so it was when it was time, Mm -hmm. um, she went in there, our respite homes and um, hospice homes, et cetera. Right. But it's never a a requirement to make someone go there. That is only because of somebody's wish. And, and the other thing I wanted to kind of clear up, there's a big misconception that hospice speeds up the dying process. And, and that is absolutely not the case. Thank you for adding um, that. That's really we, um, we actually, if the patient is comfortable, they actually live longer. So relieving that pain and relieving that stress um, actually helps the patient live longer. So we, we don't speed the process up. Mm-hmm. We it's almost the misnomer from our grandparents' era of the H word, oh, and sorry, hospice means right. game over. Right. That's not That's the case. Nice. That's Thank you. Do advanced directives direct the medical care? That is also <laughs> a complicated question. When you do advanced directives, they're often done in an attorney's office and they're a state planner. They're very broad, very general. So I think um, I've worked many years in the hospital setting where I get called in to meet with um, with families who are making these difficult decisions. And I ask to see their advanced directives to use them as a guide. But again, they're very general, very broad. And um, I think families are often let down at how little they do direct them at the time of crisis. So it, again, when a good time to rediscuss these advanced directives is when the healthcare changes or when a disease is diagnosed. Because once again, advanced directives are often done when when we're healthy, and that is when they should be started. But then they should be readdressed as um, as life changes and when you're diagnosed with an illness. Because there's certain scenarios that are more common with certain illnesses. What I mean by that is, let's say you get diagnosed with cancer, versus you getting diagnosed with heart disease or Alzheimer's. Those are three very broad and different disease processes that come, each of those big broad categories comes with likely scenarios mm-hmm. that are not necessarily addressed in advanced directives. So, so it's each, complicated. Each case is unique. Right, and that's where, again, palliative care becomes so helpful and important is because often it, palliative care um, staff is the per- first people to, again, readdress these, these hard to talk about subjects. And I just want to go back to what Evelyn said a minute ago. Um, I think talking about initiating these discussions is hard, but I find that once that door is opened, it's so helpful and it it provides relief. So I always say that I can't make it less sad, but I can definitely help make it less chaotic and less stressful. And you do see that in, in these after these um, meetings are held that people do feel just relief. Knowledge is power. It is. Yeah. And we talk about advanced directives. We're obviously talking about a do not resuscitate. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and um, when you go on hospice, the social worker is always going to ask, do you have a, a DNR? Um, and that is something that's preferred in hospice. Um, and so it's always something to be thinking about. Um, it's not a mandatory thing in hospice, but it is preferred because obviously at that point, you're no longer seeking treatments. So in the, um, the resuscitation process is horrifying. And, and nobody wants to see a family member go through that. So it's just something that families really need to think about and, and look into um, as they go through the process of, you know, the difference between palliative care and hospice. Obviously, like I said, it's not mandatory. You can have a DNR or not have a DNR on, on hospice and on palliative care, but it's definitely something worth um, a family gathering and a family talking about. Thank you. When I've met with palliative care patients over the years, um, there is another misconception that a do not resuscitate is part of advanced directives. And just to clarify, those are two separate forms. Advanced directives are, like we said, maybe done with um, a state planner or an attorney. Where do not resuscitate is an actual physician's order signed by the doctor. So these are, so I'm just clarifying, these are two very separate forms. Thank you for clarifying that. What services under the umbrella of hospice? I always tell people hospice is like found money. They're going to pay for the hospital bed. They're going to pay for uh, incontinent supplies, medicine, all of those things. Is that also the case for palliative care? No. No. And, and, and that's hard because even I think a lot of our referral sources, and I'm meaning hospitals and doctors assume, hey, palliative care, you're going to get everything you get with hospice, and you don't. Right now, um, it's really, again, I, we can order home health, um, but you, know, you, you might have a copay for that. You need a hospital bed, we can order that, but it's going to take a while. You might have a copay, things like right. that. Way. Yeah, right. And it just, it's, it's another layer to what's already there with the care. And so anything that's currently with a regular doctor, your medications, you've got your co-pays for um, any equipment, any visits, it, there's still all those co-pays with palliative. It's when they switch to hospice that everything covered. Is, is covered. So why would one opt for hospice over palliative care? I understand the, the difference between the two, but does... Does that decision also include, hey, this is going to be really expensive? Do we want to prolong this? Um, what I loved about when I work palliative care is I have zero pressure to get somebody to hospice. However, if what I'm hearing from the patient and their loved ones is, I am tired of going to the doctor's office. I am tired of going to the hospital. These things don't do anything for me anyway, but I don't want hospice. I like to explore that more because I tell them truthfully, well, you know what? You're going to get a lot more services with hospice. Right. So again, it's that old age word. A lot of people are reluctant, I found, to even learn about hospice care. So, um, But you do get a lot more services if your focus is comfort. You mentioned hospital. Why would a patient want to or not want to go to the hospital? That really goes back to their goals of care. So if you feel like the treatments you're getting, you have a close relationship with your oncologist and you you just want to go for that follow-up and you, you know, you get blood transfusions so often and they give your loved one energy. Well, those people you know, who say things like that, tell me they're not ready for hospice. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they are getting some benefit from the treatment. 
Other times I hear, I go to the doctor, I sit there for three hours, I come back feeling worse. Right. Um, I, it's so hard for us to get there. You know, it's miserable. Again, that would be something to consider. You know what? Maybe it is time to say, I don't need to do that anymore. I'm not getting benefits. So it's that. really about quality of life. It is. And what quality of life is to that person? Because mm -hmm. what quality of life to me Great might be different point. than quality of life to you or someone else. Great point. And it goes into those discussions with the families. And it's like, what what are your goals of care? And what are the things you want to do and not want to do? Um, so if they're saying that, well, they want to see their doctor and they mm -hmm. want to do this. And if they flat out come out and say, I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to go. I just want to stay home. Then, I mean, and then they go say, well, I don't want to go on hospice. Well, what you just described to me is hospice. So let's let's educate again. Um, and then, you know, but I still want to go out and I still want to go out to take, you know, grandma out to eat. Take her out to eat. She can go out to eat on hospice. It doesn't mean she's laying in the bed and she can't right. go anywhere. They can still go out. Right. They can still go visit family. You know, what's, let the provider know where they're going. <laughs> what's the average? I know we've had residents on hospice for years. What's the average um, person on, on, on service with hospice compared to palliative care? Is there one? I mean, truly, I would say an average of hospice, I don't, I don't know the actual numbers, but should be four to six months. However, that's a total huge ballpark average. Right. <clears throat> that means some people come on hospice the day of their death and they're on for one day. Other people, as you said, might qualify longer. Um, in the background, a nurse practitioner like myself or a doctor is having to requalify somebody to stay on hospice um, eventually every couple months um, and for the rest of their life to make sure they right. qualify. Uh, we've had residents that actually graduate from hospice. Exactly. And how they requalify is there needs to show some documentation or show some evidence of decline. If that person is actually maintaining health or even improving, then that would be when you, as you put it, graduate from hospice mm -hmm. and maybe go back to um, other services. And that's another good point. Um, sometimes people are pretty sure about hospice, but they're thinking, but what if I hear about a new option? Yes, you can stop hospice and then your services do get reinstated as they were before. Right. And if somebody's on service with a hospice company and they don't like their nurse, they don't like something that's going on and they want to change, what is that process so like? The first thing I would do is say, address it with the hospice company mm -hmm. first. If they can't resolve it, don't drop the hospice company. Mm -hmm. Get a transfer form. Otherwise, you're going to lose benefit periods. So, so transfer, don't, don't right. Tra use the transfer form. Don't revocate. Great. What haven't I asked you that I should? I would say if there's ever any questions or you, um, if the families have questions about hospice, questions about palliative care, don't hesitate. Reach out to a provider. We're here to help. Thank you. Michelle, what haven't I asked you that I should? Um, just to add to that, um, it's true. You can talk to somebody like myself or like Evelyn for free, no obligation. So we can talk more specifically to what's going on in, in your life to see if either of these services are appropriate. And one other thing I do want to add about palliative care, um, there's a misconception, or I, you know, we talk about pain management. And yes, palliative care can do pain management, but it's not that is not uh, the primary focus. To qualify for palliative care, you have to have a serious illness. The difference is with hospice, 
um, the doctor is saying, I wouldn't be surprised if within six months or less this patient dies. Palliative care does not have that six-month um, statement, but there does have to be serious illness meaning you can't just have arthritis, need pain management, and go on palliative care. It has to be related to a, a more serious illness, such as cancer or heart disease. Got it. Got it. Very helpful. All right. Let's move on to the nugget portion. Uh, if you know me, you know I love memes. I've seen all of them twice, so don't send them in. But um, this one caught my attention the other day. Go put it up on the screen. It says, when you turn 100 and can't play with logos anymore, I love the disclaimer, ages 4 through 99. And the takeaway from this is fun has no limits. They need to update that, don't no they? No kidding, right? <laughs> All right, let's move into the uh, the lightning round portion of the, the show. This is really an opportunity for viewers to get to know you guys um, personally, non-clinically. So let's start with Evelyn, then we'll go to Michelle. Where were you born and raised? Richardson, Texas. Baltimore, then moved to Tulsa. How did you get in this line of work? I was recommended for my life experiences that I needed to share my knowledge with others. Great. Uh, came to nursing as a second career and went from nursing school to ICU to hospice within the first year of graduation. Nice. Can you write in cursive? Yes. Yes. Wow. Have you ever lived abroad? No. No. Have you ever been arrested? No. No. <laughs> I got a yes one time. <laughs> Different story. <laughs> ever slept in a tent? Yes. Yes. Uh, favorite candy bar? I don't eat candy. Um, chocolate espresso beans count? Sure. <laughs> Mountains or beach? Beach. Mountains. iPhone or Android? iPhone. iPhone. Karaoke, yes or no? No. 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 Uh, been skydiving? No. No. If you were a contestant on Survivor, if you were asked to be a contestant on Survivor, would you go and would you win? No, no. I haven't even seen the show. Wow. <laughs> Proudest uh, career accomplishment? Helping others. Beautiful. Well, I've had a buried career. I was a violinist before. So <laughs> that's, I've got, that's, that's, a, that's a big question for me. So Thank you both for being on the show Thank today. You. I always like to have um, thought leaders and industry experts, and y'all really nailed it. This is great information to share. So thank you very much. Um, if the viewers have uh, follow-up questions or want to reach you, what is your email address? Evelyn.steinke at silverstonehospice.com. And Michelle? Uh, Michelle.fenimore at pixiscare.com. Wonderful. Thank you both for being here. Thank you, um, you can find this podcast and all past episodes online at Manchester Living Podcast or search Manchester Living Podcast on YouTube, uh, Facebook, iTunes, or anywhere else you get your podcast. If there's anything I can ever do for you, feel free to reach out directly.